Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole and OU Fan Podcast. Uh, this is our Tuesday public pod, so as you know, there's only two of us. Uh, myself, Peyton Guthrie, and uh, joined, as always, uh, by Alan Kenny. Alan, how you doing? Uh, have you been able to recover emotionally and mentally from uh, OU's letdown out in West Virginia? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I got over it. Uh, and, you know, ready for uh, Rafe Bedlam. That's a what? What is your general uh, consensus t- to Bedlam? I mean, I know because like Texas is the one. Like Texas is the rival. It's the hated rival, and OU uh, OSU is always kind of considered just like this pesky new pes- pesky nuisance type of team. Especially if you see OU fans on online, <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. we don't even think about Oklahoma State. Whatever. Uh, what's your general consensus about OSU uh, as a rival? Oh man, I mean. <sighs> OSU is one football program that I've actually, you know, I don't know, I guess probably not living in Oklahoma. It's probably a little bit differently that I don't have to hear uh, from Oklahoma State fans a lot. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but generally speaking, I've actually gained a lot more uh, respect for the OSU's football program over time uh, just because they do they do so well with not nearly the same type of uh, – resources and, and input now i i think I, I think mike gundy for example is a fantastic football coach um i think that he's i i i don't like him as a person um i think that he's <laughs> i think that he's just a, a joker in that regard but um i uh you know i mean this tends to produce a lot of good football games too you know i mean there's no way around that yeah, it's it's something that I've always I've never hated Oklahoma State or have been, have ever I've I've never had that under that feeling of like get away from me while you stand so close type of thing. It seems mm-hmm. like some OU fans have with the Oklahoma State as a program and stuff. I mean, it's still a, a state school. I mean, it's still it's good for Oklahoma generally. And I you know then it kind of brings up the whole like SEC leaving and all that kind of stuff. I mean. Having Oklahoma State and Oklahoma both be good, in my opinion, is good for the state of Oklahoma. I think that's generally smart. I mean, brings in revenue, a bunch of eyeballs on the state. It's fantastic. Uh, and you're right. I mean, Oklahoma State um, and TCU are two programs who I kind of align in my brain. It kind of occupied the same kind of brain space. Like TCU was like my favorite 
non-OU school before they're in the Big 12. I was like, it's a plucky team. They're doing what they need to do, and they keep winning. Uh, you know, the, what they won the Rose Bowl finally. Oh, man, I miss the old bowl. I miss the old bowl. Mm. <laughs> I miss the BCS, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, in Oklahoma State kind of had that same thing of like, we're just trucking along, we're doing what we have, the resources we have. And um, it's only been just recently that, you know, this game has got, become like this one score games, just like nonstop, like every single season, mm-hmm. it seems like it's just like they're right at the door being able to beat OU. And for the most part, they don't. Obviously, it's 90 uh, wins to ni- 90 wins uh, for o- OU and 19 for OSU. I mean, it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's not even bedlam really i mean if you're really in mm. bedlam you there'd be more ups and downs but it <laughs> is uh it, it's i think it's important uh what do you think about this the the idea that these teams will not be playing each other uh fairly soon oh i mean i i i get it uh why you know on from all stand from all from all standpoints um you know i i i completely understand why Oklahoma State isn't, you know, interested in playing it um, in that regard. But I don't know. I feel like, um, you know, this is probably a little going to be a little bit different than like the Texas Texas A&M thing because Texas A&M left to go to the SEC, right? And and it became this, you know, uh, deal where they're recruiting against each other all the time and everything. And for the most part, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State aren't really swimming in those same waters. You know, so there there wasn't as much, uh, you know, kind of chesty pride on the line in the, in that regard. But I don't know. I mean, it's 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 fun. It's good to have like, you know, it's good to be playing, you know, the rival team, of that guy who works next to you or, you know, your neighbor or whatever. I mean, and, and you know, I mean, it's fun stuff like it should at least it should be. And so, you know, that part of it uh, just kind of sad. That part is sad because, you know, there were a team, I don't know, I don't know, I mean, in Oklahoma, you see this, those stupid <laughs> house divided, you know, car tags and stuff. It's like, it's how it was. Uh, I, I really hope in the few, in the next coming years, OU does a much better job if it's uh, veterinary school, if they have one, because I'm getting tired of taking. Uh, Arlo, who usually has uh-huh. an OU bandana, take him to a vet, and every vet's like, "You gotta take that bandana off of him." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on now, there's gotta be one OU fan that <laughs> is the animal doctor. Um, but I think it's just, I, I, like you said, I understand it too from the point of not playing um, and just seeing where the trends of college football is and the amount of money that's being pumped into this. Um, it doesn't mean that it isn't something that should be mourned. You know, the idea of something that is quote unquote special or magical about college football is kind of draining away a little bit of it is draining away for the, um, you know, on, on the ledger sheet, in my opinion, and new magic's going to happen. I don't think that mm. new games are going to happen. New rivalries is all going to be there. Um, but there, there will be a sacrifice that has to be made to get to that future destination. And this is one of the games, which it happens, you know, Oh, you Nebraska. Mm-hmm. It went away uh it's it's things change new things begin uh, all the time it's you know it's a, a, a the cycle and metamorphosis of college football uh did you get a chance to listen to mike gundy uh i've only saw only heard this one clip but did you get a chance to hear see or listen to anything mike gundy said on his press conference 
Uh, no, I did not. But you know, he's been uh, he's been really feeling himself for the past, really for a few years now. <laughs> so, yes, but yeah, yeah. You know, uh, lay it on me. What what did, what was he uh, what was he spying off about this time? So he was asked. Uh, I can't remember how it got how how it was how it was brought up um or or if he had talked about it, but basically he had committed to the university of oklahoma to play quarterback for a very short amount of time for flipping his switch to oklahoma state uh and he, and he said something like you know i bet you guys didn't know that and um one of the reporters followed up on it saying like hey if you would have stayed committed where where do you think what would you think would be different and he just looks at him and says well i'd be the head coach at the university of oklahoma and they kind of laugh. He's like, no, I would be, no doubt. Like, there's just no doubt in my mind I'd be the head coach there. <laughs> and it's like, man, of course. Yeah. it's like, man, you're just like off the top of your head. I was like, you are feeling yourself about mm-hmm. this. Because like, it, there's a different level of progression after an OSU that, yeah. If you were to take Mike Gundy, put him in a different school, and oh, you needed to hire somebody, and he wasn't tied up for all the Mike Gundyism. Mm-hmm. it'd probably be someone I'd want to hire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's one thing, you know, is when his name does get brought up for these jobs like Tennessee or Florida or stuff, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of funny because like, I, I do think that if he were to take one of those jobs, it'd probably work out pretty well for them. Uh, you know, outside of his aversion to recruiting, it seems like, but um you know, it, but but like he's just so entrenched there in Stillwater, and you know, I mean, it's the kind of thing where he has so much power and makes so much money. Like, why? I, I've never understood why he'd really want to leave. And then he did end it saying, "Like, I've got a good setup here, and I don't have to deal with all that circus down there." <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to pay you what? What's he get paid? Like seven million bucks or something to? Yeah, I mean, live a blessed life." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you I mean clearly he likes the fishing and you know rattlesnake hunting and whatnot. So, live it up, man. Yeah, he loves coming down to Lake Texoma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Oklahoma State, uh, obviously, uh, we have Bedlam coming up. Oklahoma State, uh, OU is coming off of the loss. Oklahoma State had to break out the Spencer Sanders uh, <laughs> emergency yeah. glass case uh, to get them through their game. Um, uh, uh, 40 to 20 against Iowa. I'm sorry, not 40, 20 to 14 against Iowa state to stay at seven and three. Do you think there is a certain amount of, I, I still don't know what the expectations were for that school at the beginning. Do you think there's a certain amount of, 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 of a letdown from Oklahoma state? Cause they were, they started so hot. They were undefeated for so long. And now they're saying that, uh, seven and three, uh, or does Bedlam kind of wipe that away for both of these teams? I know inside the building in Norman, Bedlam is now an important, important, important game <laughs> uh, to right. get the six wins. Uh, do you think Oklahoma State is carrying that same level of urgency? Oh, I'm, you know, well, I mean, in a certain sense, no, because I believe Oklahoma State's qualified for a bowl game already, right? I mean, yes, I know you has yet to do that, right? So, that's one thing to keep in mind, but I mean, I'm going to, and, and you know, I'm going to probably piss a lot of people off if they happen to be OSU fans who happen to be listening to this, but let's be honest, man, like beating, beating OU is a bigger deal for OSU than OU beating OSU is for OU. If you know what I mean? Like it almost feels like OU losing to OSU is almost a, in a lot of ways kind of an, an annoyance or a embarrassment whereas like it's it's something else it feels like to uh to the pokes 
and like that's just kind of reality you know i mean <laughs> so uh you know i i do think you know beating ou as many times as they can especially before ou leaves for the sec is probably very high on their uh uh you know it, it's just something that would would go over really well there yeah i mean beating osu for you know, for a head coach of oklahoma state i'm sorry head coach of, of the sooners should be borderline uh, expected i mean it's yeah. 90 wins 19 wins that should be part of like it, it's not a it shouldn't it's like when you're doing the uh the NCAA college football thing where you have the recruits, it's like if you beat rival team, it helps them out. I don't think beating Oklahoma State is on that level yeah. <laughs> uh, for some of these guys. Now, losing to Oklahoma State, that's a different thing. Okay, you know, th- yeah. I think that's where the expectation, that's where the, the the pressure for OU as a program always is. It's like, man, I don't want to lose this team. <laughs> that is yeah. less about winning. It's more about, man, we cannot lose to these guys. Uh, yeah, I can remember like back when, back when, you know, in the uh, early 2000s, OSU won two two games straight. I think mm-hmm. they beat OU in like uh, 2001, 2002, back to back. And the next yep. year, like, before the game, I mean, OU, yeah, OU absolutely demolished OSU. It was in Norman. But like before the game, I was there with my brother and I remember we saw somebody, you know, a couple people walking around who had, who had, oh, who had made t-shirts for the game. Like, you know, oh, you strikes back some, some nonsense like that, whatever, you know? And my brother was like, oh, you should never be making a t-shirt for the OSU game. Like, that's just not <laughs> like, that's just, you know, it was, it was, he was just kind of like, it's just beneath him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just shouldn't be, it's not something that, oh, you should be, oh, you should be encouraging or, oh, you fans should be doing, you know, it, like, that's the way I felt about it, you know? Yeah, I feel the same way. That's, and I think that's, I mean, we've harped on it enough uh, about the SEC thing, but I think that's generally the consensus with, I mean, I, I don't know, it, <laughs> this is the public one, so people may be fine on this. If you're a fan of Texas Tech, of Baylor, of TCU, Kansas State, Kansas, <laughs> I mean, it's like, I'm sorry, but I, I think there's a general consensus of we are tired of playing these teams in which do not consistently rise to the level of a true rival. <laughs> it's like, it's like you have to do this. And the sad part is, you know, the main rival Texas, and they've been, you know, cluster fucking around for 12 years. So yeah. even then, who, who's there really to been, I mean, six straight conference championships. No, no one has, I guess. No one's really stood up to the test of Oklahoma. Uh, I've been able to kind of hold until now. That. Yeah, and t- yeah, because oh, you started fucking around. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, this coming off of uh, obviously last year, a game in which uh, personally broke the heart of uh, Lincoln Riley and led him to answering a a blocked phone number on his phone and getting the midnight pitch to go to USC. Uh, I believe that's the uh, the story. Uh, <laughs> it all came together. Yeah, all came together just like one thing. Um, and who answers a phone call? From I only answer I barely answer phone calls to people I know at like at, at like at like six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like who's it better be a fire? It's, it's yeah. usually that type of phone call. Um, yeah, I mean, so that's wait, and that's like three a.m. and and you know four a.m. right <laughs> Out yeah. in L.A. Man, that's how those God. meetings come together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Late at night, at the club. No. Um, <sighs> So OU now has a has the has to get off the uh, get off the skid uh, off from uh, Oklahoma State. I think the last thing I want to do is hear Oklahoma State have a winning streak against OU. <laughs> uh, but how important you've mentioned this before on especially the Patreon stuff. You've kind of done the throat slice like it ain't gonna cut it. Uh, how important is this for Brent 
personally <laughs> uh, yeah. to get this game done. I mean, I think it, I think for Venables, I mean, you know, again, well, I mean, clearly he's a, he's a football coach and I mean, you can tell he doesn't like losing, <laughs> you know, he certainly wears it more than some, than a lot of other coaches do. Um, but, you know, I, to me, it's the kind of thing where, I mean, especially how badly the Texas game went this year, regardless of the circumstances around it, uh, you know, losing to OSU in your, in your first season also is just, it's not the kind of thing that's going to buy a lot of goodwill with the fans. Um, I think I would hope that he recognizes that, you know, just from a overall stakeholder, you know, management <laughs> kind of perspective um, in terms of just keeping, I mean, like I'm not, nobody's, nobody's, I think if you're, if you're trying to want Brent Bell's fired after one year or two years, whatever, I mean, like the it, it stop, just don't, don't go there. But, like it's the kind of thing where you want to build some enthusiasm and some confidence that you're you've got the program on the right track and winning this game or losing this game eh, that might not be you know that that's not a good way to do that well the hardest part about brent needing to win this game is uh let's start looking at some statistics and uh some analytical models uh s s p uh sorry s p I'm, I'm so i always say that uh sp plus has, Look at your uh, stock oh, portfolio all day. I know, right? Yeah, uh, my uh, my public account that um, uh, has OU sitting at thirteen point two overall. That means it would be you would expect OU to be a beat a perfectly average team by thirteen uh, by thirteen points, and has Oklahoma State at twelve point three. So not even a point separating them. Uh, this does not seem to be what's. Uh, but the line is seven. Is it still seven for OU? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Vegas has it set up a little bit differently than uh, than the analytical model does. I know that just 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 the straight SP plus is a little bit different than the picks Bill C makes, uh, but it does seem like it's very much closer to a pick them than OU by seven. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you lean? Do you lean towards the uh, uh, SP or do you lean towards Vegas on that? Because Vegas, you know, quote unquote knows. Yeah, I mean, you know. You know, I mean, OU is obviously, I mean, has lost outright as a favorite four times already this year. So yeah. there's, th that's worth keeping in mind. Um, but, you know, it's the kind of thing where like those numbers eventually kind of end up turning around or, or working, you know, the, the, the variance ends up going your way at some point, you know, I mean, the idea of a team that's favored by seven points or three points or what have you, uh, you know, losing a game isn't that outlandish, you know, uh, losing that many times in one season is a little bit of a different story uh, as that is that big of a favorite. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I tend to think that that this is a, a game where OU, that OU is going to win. Um, but, you know, I, if you I, I, if you feel confident betting OU here, I mean, <laughs> more power to you. Yeah, the um, and so the SP plus has OU by 0.9 and a uh, sharp college football. Our friends over at Beta Rank, they've got OU by 1.9. So uh, mm -hmm. 
it's basically a, a pick em, basically, at that point in time from a, an analytical model. Uh, Vegas understands that OU's the public team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, go yeah. for it. Um, it I, I just don't know. I mean, it's just the craziness of it. I mean, Gundy, for the longest time, has just been snake bit playing mm-hmm. OU and coaching against OU. He always seemed to coach very scared uh, to yeah. a degree, unless he just had the overall just better team or OU itself uh, had a coaching staff that was answering phone calls on the sideline yeah. <laughs> looking for the yeah. next uh, next spot. Um, ha- have you ever thought about that from that perspective, though? I mean, Gundy's coaching style against OU and like is and why you why you would why he seems to like vacate his body <laughs> to a certain degree uh, in Bedlam. Well, I mean, I, here's the thing: like, I don't pay enough attention to how to the down to down decisions that Mike Gundy makes when he's coaching True. other teams to to know if he's if he's you know if he's going against his tendencies or anything like that against OU or playing too conservative or anything like that. It's because it's also could just be like he's playing a team that he feels like he's outgunned, so he's doing yeah. things differently. Um, yeah. I mean, I've never, I don't know. I don't know if I've really ever bought into that simply because like, I mean, like we've said many times here, like, oh, you should be beating OSU. So like yeah. the idea that Mike Gundy isn't like out there, like, you know, that that it's something about the way Gundy's coaching that is holding OSU back in these, or has held OSU back in these games. I just, I don't know. I don't really buy into that. And he has been, I mean, Excuse me. He has, I mean, Mike Gundy has been obviously extremely successful in the idea of an OSU head coach successful against OU as a program has been extremely successful against OU beating them multiple times. And, you know, over the last decade being in a bunch of one score games. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. that in itself to a certain degree. I mean, I know there's a, I know there's a a frustration at times with uh, Oklahoma state fans just about Mike Gundy because he's gotten them. He's gotten that program to where the uh, sea level so high to where you can now start scratching, you know, mm-hmm. you start touching the ceiling. You think, Hey, let's make the next step. And that stuff's tough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I cannot remember his name. I, I, this, I hate this, uh, but he's a, a, a no issue, a, a writer uh, on Twitter. And he basically kind of broke down national championships, how teams win them, things of that nature. Uh, via uh, projected revenue. And it basically came down and said for OSU to be considered a realistic national championship contender, you know, year in and year out for a certain degree, OU, uh, OSU would need to be able to generate 50 million extra dollars a year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it, that just doesn't happen. It's, it, you're not going to find it in the couch cushions. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I've talked about this at length also. I mean, in a lot of ways, OU as a college football powerhouse is an anomaly like so two two programs from one state <laughs> trying to trying to uh occupy that same space. i mean that's just tough man like it, it's just how it is yeah the only state i can think of from the top of my mind i'm sure I'll, i'm sure you've got multiple examples would be uh, alabama auburn uh and even auburn is down a lot of years but they can win a national championship every once in a while and <laughs> that's yeah. to me the only real con I, I think that's maybe Florida, because like Florida, FS, Florida State, Miami all kind of take turns, you know, 
Yeah, but I mean, right Florida, <laughs> Florida, yeah, but Florida is also huge, you know what I yes, mean? Like, yeah. So it's just a different kind of thing. And you'd expect, I guess on, on that side, you'd expect someone else in California <laughs> to be better yeah. than they are. Um, but yeah, it's just, it just, there's just not enough resources um, uh, to go around. Um, we talked a little bit about Mike Gundy, what he said in his press conference and who cares about him. Uh, <laughs> but Brent Venables also had a press conference. Uh you kind of wrote it down some things to discuss uh i'll let you cue them up what was the first thing that uh that oh. kind of caught your i know these things are boring you even wrote down these things are boring yeah uh, <laughs> i was i mean i was trying to listen to it and i was i mean i was falling asleep the whole and like literally so but you know uh one of the things that i thought was really interesting and he brought up like almost right off the bat um first of all he didn't do uh his a, a usual you know kind of like introductory statement or opening statement or anything like that he just went straight into questions which uh if you if you've listened to venerables go on and on and on sometimes that's a good that's a good thing i think um but what he mentioned is that like he just said look ou has been an undisciplined team for a long time uh and he said you know we've been under but you know he wasn't there for however long it was before that, but like, like, I mean, I don't, I don't take that as a shot at Riley or the previous coaching staff so much as like just kind of a statement of fact, you know, and in a certain sense, I mean, you know, yeah, he's, he's taking that on himself, but it's also kind of a statement of like, this is what I've, this is what I've, I'm trying to like overcome. And, but what he said that was, that made sense is like, we've been dis undisciplined in the past, but in the past they've had, that they've had enough kind of you know to like overcome the margins you know what i mean like yes and they just don't have it this year uh which is kind of the way exactly the way i kind of see it i mean i wrote a piece for crimson cream machine i don't know if it's been posted yet or not but kind of based about this about how ou doesn't really do the the big things in football Right now, they do they do some of them well enough to to win games, but they don't do do them well enough to overcome a lot of messing up the small things, and that's kind of what I see from this team so far this year. When you know, I mean, the West Virginia game, we we don't have to rehash it, but that was just like a prime example of you know so many self inflicted uh, wounds and and whatnot. Um, there was something interesting in there about talking. He was talking up his inside linebackers, guys like Danny Stutzman and uh, David Aguibu. Um It's just kind of an interesting time to bring it up. I mean, last week, you know, Stutzman kind of, you know, made some waves with some comments mm-hmm. he made on a podcast that like, I don't know, to me, that was just kind of a kid just talking. Um, but I guess, you know, some people took it in a different way. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically kind of saying like that, Venables, you know, is kind of real intense and he's kind of always, you know, kind of always up in your business or, or like he's, he's kind of like demands perfection about not being one foot this way or, you know, a couple inches off this way or taking one step back when you should, you know, held your ground, that type of of stuff. And, you know, he's kind of like, it's not that big a deal, but I mean, to Venables, it clearly is. So, you know, that, but you know, I mean, for Stutzman had a, a solid game. I felt like over the weekend, um, really, I think he had a I mean, solid half. Half, yeah, that would be a better <laughs> way to put it. Yeah, 
But I mean, it, you know, I mean, Venables mentioned, you know, he's been a fairly productive uh, player in terms of, you know, I mean, tackling. He's, you know, he's got a couple interceptions this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think anybody would say he's had a, you know, he's been better than like a C, you know what I mean? C grade, yeah. maybe. Yeah. So, um, you know, and just he just kept talking up. There's just lots of little things that they're missing at this point. Um, and, you know, it's they play 10 games now there's you know two games left in the regular season there's not a lot of time to uh clean up the the little things you know so that's that's just one thing that like or maybe there's enough time just to get enough of the little things right to kind of overcome you know where this team is still has some deficiencies i don't know yeah i i think it is interesting why he's talking those two up uh you know the both those linebacker spots it makes me wonder because david Gwade was gone right he might have a year left i mean the 20 Maybe. the the 2020 year made everything different you know yeah. because of the extra season so i mean th- i mean when you this this is the first time of any brent venables press conference that i really heard him playing the game kind of out loud you know, he, he's done some of this stuff subtly, but this was like out loud playing the game, talking about transfers and we don't need a quarterback transfer. And that's him kind of like out loud saying Jackson Arnold is not flipping to Notre Dame <laughs> without yeah. saying those words exactly. You know, yeah, it's him yeah. very publicly as, as much as he could, as much as a mm-hmm. coach like Brent Reynolds is going to say. Uh, and him really talking about the uh, the uh, the linebackers could easily him saying like doesn't look like we're going to bring in because there were a lot of there's been a lot of like if you're putting the, your finger to the pulse of OU fans saying oh you need to find a, an inside linebacker uh, in, in the portal you need to find mm-hmm. somebody which would just be disastrous in my opinion because why bring in a brand new dude on like an extremely complicated scheme <laughs> uh, just to make the same mistakes <laughs> over and over again uh, so I mean he could be addressing that from that perspective because finally everyone seems to over, uh, put it together and if you had a piece on crimson and cream about the accountability of uh of this team uh that was published on the 11th uh talking about like the talent and stuff even though like for uh, sp plus uh I, I think he may be trying to say hey we're all here and there is no magic pill there is no we'll get 15 transfers and all of them are going to be good and we'll all be there i think he is having to address some of this stuff um you know publicly because if fans are talking about it that means boosters are talking about it because they're just fans of a lot of money (laughs) (laughs) and this stuff's being brought up and probably group text messages and people being said stuff and on golf courses and you know at the places where these people rub elbows and brent for the first time is like actively having to kind of answer these via like a coaching session i mean like a coaching mm-hmm. press conference uh that's the only thing i i can see or hear about a lot of these answers where he's kind of like saying stuff like why are you talking about linebackers now i mean <laughs> why are you why, why are you uh, making stuff and sound like he's doing pretty good after this weird podcast thing he said and oh you then went on a losing streak <laughs> immediately yeah. after i mean it's just poor timing by danny stutzman to say those words in the way that he did um I get what he's saying, but I also get what Brent's saying of, 
you know, yeah, it matters. You know, it matters if your foot's six and he inches. All, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like, and like, I don't. And to be fair, like, I don't know if if Venables even heard what Sutsman said on the podcast or anything like that. I mean, I'm assuming he did. He was. He but, probably told, but I don't know if he heard. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 kind of like point being, like some some stuff. Sutsman saying that isn't necessarily. I mean, like clearly there are some people who took that as like you know Sutsman just not having the right attitude, but. But point being, like, there's another. I guess there's another way to look at this too. Like, you know, you mentioned like you don't. It'd be a disaster to bring in another linebacker right now. Well, there's one guy uh, who has the same last name as the head coach. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> I thought is, about that too. Who <laughs> yeah, uh, is at Clemson knows the defense pretty well. Has a year of eligibility left, but um, you know they. You know that we're talking, of course, about uh, Tyler Venables, Brent Venables' son, uh, who's a yeah. safety. At, He's got to uh, end with the mom. <laughs> yeah, at Clemson, uh, who could you know potentially come over, maybe put on a little bit of weight and and move out and move to inside linebacker or play the cheetah position and let somebody else like Canick move inside. But I think the one thing that I keep in mind too, though, is like let's say that OU does have some type of like personnel exodus or you know a lot a lot of guys end up transferring out you know it would behoove venables and the program to help those guys find landing spots yes 100 percent. and so like trashing stutzman or not talking him up isn't is it wouldn't necessarily help that effort you know what i mean like like brent has no and, and and throwing him to the wolves like that's not going to help in the in the locker room either. Like Brent has Venables has no like incentive to be overly super critical of any of these guys at this point, in my opinion. So I would also keep that in mind too. That you know if, this can be this is a double edged sword. Like it can be read many different ways. Yeah, it's it also it's like I think there's a clear a, a clear. Um, uh, a connection you can make for how the team down in Austin handled something in the off season of, I cannot remember the Texas player who basically said, I'm tired of losing some of these guys. <laughs> yeah. He basically like, criticized the that and he was not allowed to talk media. Again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you Ocean don't Mo or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're not getting that. Some of our response out of Brent versus this. I mean, it's, it, there is a way of hand. It does seem in, I don't think you would, I don't think you would classify Brent as a uh, slacker on accountability. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you can tell either something is handled internally or there's, you know, they cleared it up or something like that. And Brent's like, yeah, it's no big deal. Um, I, I don't know how often they're going to keep on that podcast, but it does <laughs> seem that, I mean, they, oh, you still produces that uh, weekly YouTube show. And I was like, surely after two losses, <laughs> they're mm. not going to keep putting this out and they keep doing it. They keep filming everything. It's like, that shows you the, the uh, intentionality that Brent always talked about. It's like, well, we said we're going to do this thing, so let's keep doing it. I mean, it's like right. we said we were, so we are. You know, that's it's it's that's something I think is promising. It's something as stupid as a weekly YouTube show <laughs> makes me think this is still at least promising because it shows that someone has a, the right mindset about something and still believes they're working in the correct direction. Like it's mm -hmm. not media curtain down we're tearing down buildings we're outlawing binoculars in the state of oklahoma <laughs> like yeah. uh, no, that that's not the response the response is let's talk about it 
right uh, yeah which is which is an effective i think across the board that would be considered an effective leadership skill <laughs> or tactic right like, and i mean you know there's yeah well and it's also kind of fits with you know if you want to have a, a, you know a, a culture where there's you know it's not necessarily transactional mm -hmm. you know what i mean like like and that's clearly something that he's he's going for it's just a different kind of thing um so you know again like i said i mean it, there's a, always gonna be a lot of coach speak and, and it never it never hurts in my opinion for your coach to uh do your best to deflect whatever it is you know that is whatever kind of criticism it is or whatever that's going that's going towards your players that's just you know it that's in my opinion it, it just kind of coach coaching 101 at this point for college football coaches yeah i mean so speaking of doing the the little things right um I was needing to watch anything that had nothing to do with Oklahoma football. <laughs> <laughs> so I went on the YouTube channel for a channel called the training think tank. It is a CrossFit uh, training camp and they, they they do podcasts and stuff and they kind of break down. And uh, I was on a bike, I was on a spin bike and they just published a podcast. And it was something like learning new skills. Like that was the name of the podcast. Cause in CrossFit, you have to do like handstand walks. And you have to do these gymnastic movements and weightlifting. It's just this whole thing of whatever. Uh, for your general couch potato people or whatever, or people even like me who work out a lot, I'm, I'm not, a, would never in a million years consider myself a competitive CrossFit person. I mean, it's leaps and bounds. But you, I know how to, I can walk. Uh, I think the most I've walked is uh, 50 yards on my hands, unbroken. It's popped up. It's cool. You learn this cool. Mm -hmm circus trick <laughs> yeah. uh, by practicing it and they really they spend an hour talking about the difficulties of learning these things when you see other people do these things effortlessly you know especially as an OU fan right now you see TCU linebackers and safeties come up and just hammer the shit out of running back or uh, I think there's a, a play in the Texas game where the TCU uh, a star position or whatever He's he's on the he's on the line of scrimmage basically, and the moment he realizes it's the deep deep cross, you see him just jetting to the center of the field and helps break up the pass. It's like he just identified and went. I was like, "There's no one on OU's roster who would have seen that." Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's just about this thing of like you see someone. So I'll use the cross again. You see someone doing a, a 300 pound clean, and you're cleaning 100 pounds. You're thinking, "Man, I'm never going to get there," but you miss the part where the guy or the woman is doing warming up their air squat for 30 minutes like i'm just going to hear my foot always goes here um or maybe there's two other people who know anything who will enjoy watching crossfit there's a, a a woman named tia claire Toomey. she has competed in the crossfit games for eight years her first two years she got second and every other year she's won first place <laughs> she's a complete <laughs> monster uh, it's insane and you watch her address the bar and it's always left hand, right hand, exact same spot, no matter what she's doing, no matter what workout she's doing, no matter if it's the first minute or the 30th minute, it's always bang, bang. It's like, there's a neurological pathway that she has developed of here's how I grab the thing. <laughs> and that's was something that was practiced. You can tell that was practiced of here's how I'm going to do this to get myself in that position. And that is so fucking boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to like, you're, I'm trying to figure out how to do a ring muscle up and I'm having to practice putting my hands on the rings, not moving, not trying, just putting my hands on the rings. 
and you just feel like an idiot. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I've only got so many hours in the gym. I can be in here and I'm in here practicing holding pieces of wood. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but that's skill development and that's learning neurological pathways. That's developing your motor. I say all that to say that's where OU is. <laughs> <laughs> OU is grabbing the piece of wood over and over again. They're not even trying to do the movement yet. In uh, you know, that to do that is hard and takes time. Now, I will say, could Brent, I don't know, completely scrap his scheme and say, we're going to run the, you know, three down bare front with the rush linebacker. We're going to mm-hmm. run basically what Grinch did. But then you're not, you're not touching the wood. <laughs> you're not, yeah. you're not doing that thing. Um, so I, I'm not too, I, I hope people get what I'm trying to say in that, and that skill development and understand that, yeah, it does suck. OU's use five and five, <laughs> but you have to hold on to the fact that OU is just, uh, maybe for, maybe for a better reference, pop culture reference. And I'm old, so we're both yeah. old, so maybe they won't know this, but it, it's the bride and kill Bill just moving her big toe. That's, that's all OU's yeah. trying to do right now. It's just do that first. The rest comes later. Um, Cause yeah, I could get on Twitter and say Ethan Down should be shaded inside the tackle, and it's like, but, but what would matter? What what would it really matter? Yeah, <laughs> at, yeah. at that point in time, what would it really matter? Um, so yeah, that was something that was stuck in my head, and I kind of wanted to say it out loud. I don't know if it's helpful. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, no, but it's one kind of those things where you really do at a certain point, you know, it's like if you've ever if you've ever coached like kids in a sport, right? Yeah. Like, you can if you you know you can say okay well you know we'll just do x y and z instead of you know really trying to teach kids skills or give them you know you know or you can say like you know what i've always tried to say to kids when i've coached them in the past is like you know here we're going to we're going to we'll get this right and i you know i've seen you I've, i've seen you in practice i know that you can do this and we'll 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 develop that along the way like it will it will we'll just have to keep working it you know but when you stop i I think you know venables talks a lot about setting standards and everything you know when you stop there's there's a certain balance you have to strike between wearing your guys out but also like letting them know when good isn't good enough you know yeah and like i it feels like it feels like I think he feels like there's a lot of stuff that he might compromise in the long run by kind of letting good be good enough in the short run, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's the whole, I mean, uh, the founder uh, would talk about all the time, like, you know, good is the enemy of great type of thing. And (laughs) that's always like the aggro bro talk and stuff, but Mm -hmm. to a a degree it's right. I mean, you, some, at a certain point level, maybe at certain programs being good, is good enough. <laughs> but at the University of Oklahoma, uh, my assumption is that uh, Brent would lose his contract if, if just good was good enough. <laughs> mm. Well, like, like, think about think about this too. Like, like, you mentioned Ethan Downs, like he should be just, you know, saying, yeah. Oh, well, and this, he should be playing shaded inside instead of, you know, or what have you. Okay, that's fine. But if Venable's scheme and the way that he sees that as being the best way to do it is that he's not shaded inside like think about not just downs but think about the guys who are backing down backing up downs or think about the guy 
who's backing up the backup, the third yes. string guy yeah. who is a freshman who's learning learning the defense. And think about, you know, if you want to, if you want, you want to develop him for the long run, right? Well, if he's going to be playing that, the you know, the way that Venables wants it, but Venables, you know, makes the decision to, okay, well, I'm going to do this for downs. Well, then how do you, like, you've got an odd fit. Like, let's say downs and the second, the other guy get hurt. You've been developing this guy now and he's, you're going to throw him in there in a position that he's not really ready for or that he that isn't built to his skill set like it's just you can't you know it's it's a long run tough process that you know i don't think that people probably myself included probably didn't realize how how hard it would be yeah because it's 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 also let's say yeah let's say let's 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 say our 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 internet twitter coaches are right down should be shaded inside you know and and whatever Mm -hmm. But then he does go down and the other guys go in, but you've been teaching him outside. Now, all of a sudden you have to go to your linebacker and say, Hey, all those things you had been learning. Yeah. That has to change now because this guy isn't shaded inside. I mean, it's just, it, it, it creates a domino effect mm-hmm. that you can't just say, play a tight front. <laughs> you can't yeah. just say the linebackers have to hit the A gaps. I mean, you can't, it's just not one thing. Um, and Brent has, it was always Brent's MO. He even said it. We're just going to, we're, you know, the fire hose, <laughs> it's, yeah. everything's on. Cause, and I think he's right in that is that you can't just drip feed this thing down. It's, it all has to be out there. And that's why I, on our Patreon pod, on the, the breakdown, why I kind of think, OU is going to make a quality jump kind of quote unquote out of nowhere, because when you try to implement something all at once, it looks super chaotic and you might not see the progressive level of it getting better. But once it all fits, it just all fits. And it's like, boom, it's all better now. <laughs> right. And I think that's kind of how it can happen is right now there's slack in the rope that once it gets tight, uh, it will it'll change some things up across the board. Yeah. I mean, I think that I, it's just it's just a, a frustrating incremental process in the meantime. Uh, so we have another here's uh, other stuff not from the presser uh name image and likeness uh alan wants to talk about the money uh, <laughs> I, I think uh i want to tell i'm gonna totally guess what you want to talk about uh the university of texas uh has been a completely chaotic university full of boosters in which everyone wants to get credit and no one wants to work together see who wants to get that credit but they all decided to join in their NIL collectives together and make one big massive one to everyone work together in Kumbaya and get this get the shit done. Uh, Oklahoma does not have those said resources, but they still allow themselves to be splintered. Uh, <laughs> uh, is that somewhere along the line of OU's groups maybe needing to come together and pull resources? I mean, no, I think. Well, you know, this week you saw was it the Crimson and Cream Collective, I believe is what it's called. Yes, uh, you know that essentially. Heavily supported by the coaches. Yeah, and well, the administration, the athletic mm-hmm. department are are steering, you know, kind of kind of endorsing in a certain sense, taking like an indirect ownership of uh of it, you know. And I need to and that's you know all permissible within the NIL rules and everything like that. Um, and so in that regard, I you haven't had any real guidance for the average fan about what, what they should be doing. Um, And I think, you know, by doing that, 
you're you're basically kind of forcing everybody into the same boat or push the same direction and you know you can you i wouldn't be surprised it wouldn't surprise me at all to see some of the more you know i guess the um maybe better run or you know kind of uh more credible nil groups around oklahoma kind of all end up you know being absorbed maybe by the crimson cream collective or what have you um but it's a you know it's the kind of thing where if you're going to do nil it's better you know i mean it's better for everybody to have some uh, you know someone that a group or an organization that you feel pretty confident in will be administering you know and, and doing everything on the up and up yeah that's you want to see i mean the moment they started really pushing people to certain direction and stuff again it kind of reminds me of brant the press conference is like oh he's act he's talking he's saying he's addressing other questions by mm-hmm. talking about the inside linebackers <laughs> yeah. uh it does seem like maybe the administration and everyone's kind of talking indirectly about a one oklahoma thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> would you please now join this one <laughs> or Gabe right. and, you know, the strengthening the Sooners or whatever there's called. Maybe it's time we all move over here. Uh, Cause OU for, for better or worse, you know, you was somewhat behind on the NIL stuff. Uh, obviously they were never going to play it. Hey, they haven't told anybody what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just do it. You know, yeah. OU was never going to be that way. OU does not want to be a, uh, oh, they found out what the rules were by blowing AM off the map. <laughs> yeah. They don't they don't want that to happen uh, at Oklahoma. So sure, is it again the same kind of concept to Britain, the football team? Uh increment uh, you know, very small steps. I couldn't say the word incremental. Uh so but but very small steps uh for OU to get where they need to be. And, and yeah, it, it, I don't know, it seems kind of weird. They're up there like Hey, we need four thousand people to get the three million dollars. It's like, oh, it's, it, I don't. It, any of the messaging, if the messaging isn't the following, X player got X amount of dollars. <laughs> I don't think there's good messaging <laughs> for yeah, but stuff. like, but you also, I mean, like, if you're a player, do you want your business out there like that? Like, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean. He, well, that's part, well, but, part about getting paid, though. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but like what you're going to end up by doing this OU's administration I think is basically telling the public like don't give your money to these other collectives yes put it here and yeah. that's going to eventually be that's a competitive advantage you know in the in the fun in fundraising for this one collective right yeah. now like part of the reason why well uh you know with when it comes to this NIL stuff and all these different collectives popping up like if stuff goes sideways with some of those, like that can get really bad for the program itself because yes, you never know if if somebody you know I mean somebody who's taking in you know is 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 sending out I I saw a thing about this they they were talking about the different uh, political action committees that are raising money for Herschel Walker in Georgia Oof. yep and there are a lot of them that are bringing in you know for every dollar they bring in they're keeping 90 cents and 10 cents is going to Walker. You know, if you have that kind of arrangement end up popping up where these, these guys are making these deals that, 
they're they're getting taken for a ride or these collectives are poorly run and can't you know fulfill whatever it is the deal that they've got with these players or whatever they they're processing these players like if if your program becomes associated or or locked in with those guys somehow or you know some that social i mean that it's not like word about that isn't going to spread among other players and recruits and high school coaches and parents i mean that's the kind of stuff like it's just you can't you can't do this fly by night no yeah it it takes i mean it takes one bad experience for it to go sour i mean it takes it's so rough i mean if you if you go look at a you know like yelp or something the people had a Mm. good time they don't write i mean that i don't think it probably takes a special, I, I, I at times work in social media and stuff like that. Very rarely do people reach out to sing your praises. Yeah. <laughs> 99% of the time, it's someone they've got an issue of something that maybe you had nothing to do with, but they're mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it doesn't take long for that sort of peer-to-peer, you know, word of mouth thing to really spoil a brand. I mean, you know, if we were, if, let's say, you know, Texas A&M right now this class wasn't doing as well because the last class started bitching about, Hey, we're not kind of getting paid the money. We said we were going to get paid. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it doesn't take much for that to happen. And, you know, you can sell your soul uh, for, you know, for a number one overall class, but what happens if you don't pay up? (laughs) Someone comes to collect (laughs) Mm. and you don't want to be put in a position to do that, you know, and, you know, I'm, I know exactly what uh, what pack you're talking about <laughs> and your job, uh, walking around it, but even that one has like it auto defaults to be monthly. Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't you might not know you're paying somebody else, you know, ninety dollars of your hundred dollar monthly donation, and Herschel's only getting ten dollars. I mean, yeah, somebody is making money off of this stuff. You know, you, you know if you went to that one, congratulations, you got a cool Theo Weiss jersey. <laughs> I wonder mm-hmm. how, how often you're wearing that right now, <laughs> but um, we need to find one, you know, this one obviously is sponsored um, and you hopefully it's as grift free as possible because <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a lot of money floating around. There's going to be a lot of people who have their eyebrows raised about the type of money that's floating in, in and out of these things. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, again, that it's that by having that, tacit endorsement or i guess really explicit endorsement of the university like that's also probably an indicator that you'll have more kind of legitimate opportunities or you might have more leeway in terms of maybe i don't know using ou facilities to for you know for a promotional campaign or something i i i don't know but you see what i'm saying like the by having that kind of relationship with the university you also it expands the opportunity set. <sighs> I think that's all the notes we have. So we uh, still need to do our game day predictions. Uh, statistically, OU and OSU does seem to be within a point of each other, but Vegas has OU by seven. Alan, do you have OU covering? If uh, And what's your score? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I am at the end of the day going to end up picking OU to cover. Wow. Um, they played, they, I, I realized that, you know, obviously like the Baylor game and the Kansas state game mm-hmm. did happen, but they played fairly well. Even in those two games, they, they played better than what they've done on the road. Right. Um, at home, uh, senior night, um, 
you know, Dylan Gabriel seems to play better in Norman um, for the most part. I'm going to go with OU 35, Oklahoma State 27. Okay. I'm going to say uh, OU pushes uh, 31-24. Uh, All right. Uh, so so not the cover there. I think, it, I think it's late. It's kind of like your hall. It, I don't think it's uh, OU separate. Well, maybe it is how OU's been playing. They separate early and then find enough ways <laughs> to fuck around <laughs> uh, to let the other team get either beat them or get much too close than they should have been. Yeah. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, so that's our show. Uh, again, for our sponsors, check out Vanessa House. Check out Sunday will be a post-game show. Matt uh, Burden will be there uh, live at Vanessa House talking to Alan Kenny. Uh, they're looking for a surprise guest. I, myself, will be uh, having just ran in the Tulsa Tulsa Marathon, so I will not be on the post-game show. Um, but, yeah, uh, support, uh, support Vanessa House. Awesome down there. If you enjoyed this uh, conversation and talk, um, about college football and press conferences and what coaches are really saying or not saying, uh, come join us on the Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash through the keyhole, which through the keyhole itself is an OU reference to Joe Washington. Brayer Switzer is talking about Joe Washington being like catching, uh, being like smoke through the key. It's, it's something about how shifty he was about being able to smoke through the keyhole. Uh, so that's really cool, good for the so brand there, man. Really, really good. good for me going, like, it's kind of like a thing. <laughs> it's in his book. It's, a, it's in an illusion. Book. Yeah. It's, a, it's an illusion. <laughs> uh, come and enjoy us. We have a lot of fun. We're gonna try to do some, uh, try to do some new things uh, w- with the idea that uh, someone seems to be hell bent on massacring uh, Twitter. So <laughs> we're gonna try potentially try to find some uh, different platforms that we can engage in. Uh, but for myself and Alan, uh, thanks for uh, hanging on. Thanks for listening to us. And then, uh, yeah. Sucks to be a OSU fan. Bedlam. Oh, you needs to win. Boomer. <laughs> Get it off. <laughs>